With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. We're two men down this week, unfortunately, but our normal host, John, is trying to sort out some technical issues, so Andy, welcome along, Chief uh, Sports Writer of the Daily Mirror. Um... It's going to be quite a weekend uh, in Paris where Liverpool look to win a seventh um, Champions League trophy. They take on Real Madrid uh, in the Stade de France. Um, it was quite a weekend last weekend when City clinched the title in unbelievable circumstance at the Etihad. Uh, it was no less exciting down the bottom of the table um, where Leeds managed to survive by the skin of the teeth and send Burnley down. Um, Ten Hag has come to Man United this week he met the media on Monday uh, it was quite a performance one way or another we'll discuss that on the show um, so welcome along Andy well it's just it's a bit like last Smith, last Smith and Jones this pal <laughs> <laughs> he's there somewhere Crossy he's, he's there in some, some shape or form yeah he's oh that's better that's better we'll, we'll just plough on it, it's not we'll... the first time I've seen him horizontal by the way it's <laughs> no, not look good does he do not look in a good mood <laughs> Um, Andy, you were at Liverpool um, yeah. last Sunday. I was at Man City. Um, can you? I, I mean, I'll, I'll obviously talk about what happened at City, but could you just describe sort of the ups and downs of the crowd at Anfield when sort of this, it happens every year, doesn't it? These the score lines come it in. Was, you know, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, first thing, first thing you need to say is that it was a fantastic atmosphere at Anfield. You know, and I've said this before on here. Um, sometimes we may be guilty of over romanticizing um the Liverpool support. Um but you know they have been magnificent for them this season. Um and, and they were out in force before the game, welcoming the teams, a great atmosphere within the within the stadium. And of course it, it got even better when news filtered through of, of City um winning. And and strange enough, you know, even though as we know Liverpool were never at the top of the as it stands table, they were never top of the table at any point during those ninety minutes. Even so, and even so, and even though the Wolves played very well and probably should have scored more than one, there was still a feeling within Anfield all the way through within Anfield is that they would get a winner at some stage. You know, so when it was one-one and City were getting beat, they were more sort of euphoric about the City result because they just sort of had it, they had this feeling that they would get a winner. I mean, you know, and that's the belief that that crowd and that club has in itself and that team has in itself. And sure enough, of course, they did get a winner. What they didn't bank on was City scoring three in five minutes. And, and of course, you know, one of the, it's been well documented now, one of the strangest things was when it was City went 3-2 and, um, and then, of course, Liverpool scored three minutes after the City's third when... Salah um, sort of scuffed in the um, Liverpool second. So it was obvious Liverpool were going to win. And then, of course, there's this almighty cheer around Anfield. And we're sat there, you know, and I'm and, and thinking, what's going on? I was sat next to Chris McKenna um, uh, from the start. And I'm, I mean, Chris, I'm like, have, have they scored? And obviously, obviously Villa have scored. And we're sort of besieged in the press box by, by, by uh, fans asking who'd scored, who'd scored the goal. And we're like, they haven't scored. It's 3-2, you know. And 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 they're there. Well, they must have scored. There's this great sort of cheer going around the ground. So, sorry, so Liverpool fans thought Villa had scored an equaliser. Liverpool fans thought the Villa had made it three-three, oh. and the whole roar went round the, the entire stadium. And only us in the press area, and as you know, it's open and they can sort of come and see us. Um, only all, we, there was only us who knew that actually they hadn't scored. And a couple of the guys had the monitors on with the game, the City game on, you know. And it was quite clear they normally did not scored. They weren't likely to score because they weren't getting the football. Yeah. And then, so we had to tell all these fans, no, it's, you know, it's, and then of course we had that great, well, well not great moment, where Klopp thinks it's 3-3 and gives Thiago a big hug. And then behind him, you see Van Dijk, who clearly knows it's not 3-3, yeah. 
who sort of tells him, actually, it's not, you know, and I'm swimming yeah. in the crowd, tells Salah and, and whatever. So, so it, it, it was it was unbelievable. But you know what? Just it, it, it was then, having said about the atmosphere and how great it was, they then had, um, they all stayed behind, the crowd stayed behind, they had presentations for um, um, Divock Origi, they said sort of farewell to him officially, they gave Salah his, his golden boot, which he shared, obviously, with Son um, and his thing for assists or, or whatever. And they gave him, um, they, they, they acknowledged Minamino for being top scorer in the FA Cup and the League Cup campaigns. And they did all this and they had the families on. It was like a big celebration. But you know what? It fell flat. And you looked at the players and you thought, you, you know, the, the psychological blow of being so close. They knew they were leading 2-0. They thought they would only have to win this game. They got 92 points. They scored 94 goals. They had a goal difference of 68, and they still didn't win the league. And that takes some getting over. Over the whole piece, it takes some getting over, and over that there and now of thinking we are so close to winning this title. And it's the second time it's happened, of course, when they when they finished second on, was it 97? Yeah, City got 100 points. I mean, I mean if, if you think to yourself, you know, if, if you think, hang on a minute, we've got 92 points. We, we have a goal difference of 68. We've lost two games. Two games yeah. they've lost all season in the Premier League. They do their job and beat Wolves, and then they still come second. And you looked at the players on the field, and I wrote that in my report, you know, the, the, the job now is to is to lift them again yeah. for next week. But, you know, I just can't... Obviously, it was the most amazing thing was listening and seeing what was happening at City. Right to my left was John W. Henry, um, Michael Edwards, um, uh, Mike Gordon, sorry, um, um, and then and luminaries such as Kenny Daglisi and Rush and whatever. And, and as those three goals went in from City, you know, you could see, you could see them going, they, they didn't believe it. They could not believe yeah. the news, you know. And of course, all the club got really annoyed because all the Wolves fans were cheering when the City goals went in. Right. You nearly won the league, they were singing, you nearly won the league. And Cobb got yeah. really wound up by this. Say, why would they cheer? Well, of course they would. It's just banter, isn't it? You know, you're, it, it's it's the opposition you've got in front of you. So, so yes. Yeah, so, so, so I, I'm sure you can tell us what that was like um, when in those mad five minutes. Yeah, it was. I mean, we got on the running order here. Where does it rank compared to Aguero moment? Well, we were obviously at the Aguero moment ten years ago. It felt ironic that it all happened on the anniversary, the tenth anniversary of that sort of famous finish bump from Aguero. But City. It was a strange game because City dominated, as you would expect them to do. They had all the ball. Villa were excellent on the counter-attack. Um, and when you, when they scored that second goal, I literally, I genuinely thought the City, City have left themselves too much to do here. And there was an eerie sort of feeling around the ground. Obviously, the Villa fans were going mad, but um, Guardiola was just jumping around and he's technically like Basil Fawlty. It was... You know, you were, we were just looking at each other in the press box thinking, I can't believe this is going to happen. And then he brought on Gundogan and the whole game changed. He just brought a sort of a composure and a class to proceeding. I was surprised he didn't start him, actually. I'm a big fan of Gundogan. I think he's a top, top player. And once they got one goal, it just like it was like a switch going off. They're just, they're just, and it just, just as one came after the other, three in five and a half minutes. And that was it. It was all done. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing scenes. But actually, when the second goal went in from Villa, I saw numerous City fans leave, get get up out of the seats and leave to go home. <laughs> and I'm sure that happened. I know, I know, I do know for fact it happened before ten years ago. So those people who choose to leave, they have missed a real treat there because it was an amazing atmosphere. And um, are you with us, Crossy? I am. If you oh, can hear me, oh, if you can hear me. We You're back, in, in, in all my technical, yeah, technicolor and uh, sound glory. But the, I'll let you take over then, Crossy. Basically, no, 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 you go, no, you no, go. No, 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 you take over. No, no. We've been through, Andy's talked about the atmosphere at Liverpool, you know, with the news coming through from City, with all the drama, and I was just I was just trying to sum up what happened. It's, you were obviously there, weren't you, to, with me at Etihad. It was an amazing afternoon. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that struck me, I don't know what you think, guys, but basically there was this window, wasn't there, when basically Villa went 2-0 up, and before, obviously, the City comeback, and it was still 1-1 at Anfield. And I've just, I, I've convinced myself during the week, even more so, that if Liverpool had scored and gone ahead during that, I don't know, what was it, seven or eight minute window, basically, and word had got round the Etihad, 
then the nerves would have been so frazzled. I do tend to wonder. I wonder whether I wonder whether City would have brought it back, really. But mm. um, you know, uh, and then basically for the first time on that Sunday, the Liverpool would have been in ahead, wouldn't they? Basically, in 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 you know, in the title race, really. Uh, yeah, as it stands, because they weren't at any point, were they? As it, what's uh, amazing about that City team is they never panic, they don't seem to panic. No. They remain calm, they're very patient, they know goals are going to come, whether it be really late or really early. It's just a testament to how they're coached and how they're drilled by Guardiola, but they never seem to panic. And, you know, it was a sense of calm, even even though they were in a, in a deep hole. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, it was, it was an amazing... Um... Amazing afternoon, really. Um, well, uh, the, the one thing I, I don't know whether you touched on this, but I, I, I do tend to think that, you know, I, I, I mean, Blummer was at the LMAs the other night and sort of kind of Jurgen Klopp won Premier League Manager of the Year, which I found a bit surprising, bearing in mind Guardiola won it. Um, and then I, you know, can totally understand sort of kind of Klopp winning um, uh, overall manager of the year, if you like, for for his managerial achievements, what a rem- remarkable season Liverpool and, he, and indeed he's having. I do think that some, sometimes we don't almost give Guardiola that sort of kind of credit, and I just think, wow, you know, because I think he's, he, he, I think we, I think we arguably do in the media really, because I think he stands there on the on the sort of shoulders of greatness. But I don't know what you what you guys think about the sort of kind of this you know, the battle between the two managers, really, and how, how they sort of kind of compare and where, where they are in their careers. They just push each other, I guess, don't they? Yeah, look, if, if if what would Klopp give to have won four titles in five seasons at Liverpool? That's mm. what that's what Guardiola's done, and that's a legacy now. That's, um, you know, isn't it? He's, he's, he'll, he'll get a statue at some point whenever he, whenever he decides to leave. And I know that Soriano came out this week, didn't he, the chief exec, and said that they want him to stay for life. Obviously... In the ideal world, he would, but he won't. He won't stay there for the rest of his life. But you know, but Klopp, he could win the European Cup again um, mm. on Saturday, and that'll be two European Cups to, to Guardiola's nil, and that'll be three trophies in one season. So there's an argument to say that Klopp is actually currently the best manager in the world. He's above Guardiola in terms of his achievements. Mm. Dunny touched on it earlier; said so it's astonishing how Liverpool can get so many points, lose at two games all season, have a goal difference of 60-odd, plus 60-odd, and come second. Yeah. The ultimate compliment to Man City and how good they are that they have finished above this Liverpool team in the league title, yeah. the league title race this season. Yeah. If you have a statue, how many statues do you want outside the Etihad, by the way? They'll have more statues than players in the squad. <laughs> you know, the Danes and the statue going up. Yeah. But no, this is also John. The reason why maybe it's like that is because there is a perception that that you know that Guardiola still has huge advantage over anyone else in 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 the transfer markets, in, in recruitments, in resources. You know, it's not as pronounced as I think people suggest, but it is true that you, you know there's no getting away from it that, that Liverpool's um, net spending power is less than Manchester City's. You know, so you're always going to you know, you've got that, whether it's right or wrong, you've got that perception that Guardiola is coming from it with unbelievable resources. And when you go out on the back of scoring virtually, well, you're probably averaging 100 goals a season, probably averaging 90 points a season. And then when you go out and on top of that, you buy a Jack Greedy for £100 million. And he can't even get on in the final game of the season. On top of that, you now buy the outstanding young striker. I mean, if we, well, you know, along with Mbappe, you go and sign Erling Haaland, you know, that doesn't. And that's the point that I've always, you know, I, I mean, I know how, how sensitive City are about this, but that's that's the point you try and get across is that the perception is they can be so good, score so many goals, get so many points, get mm-hmm. to the semi-finals of the Champions League every year and should have been in the final. We, you know, that was a blip against, against Real Madrid. And they do all that and then they go out and buy Haaland. And it's like, well... You know, and I think that is the reason. Now there is a you know you can turn around and say, well, hang on a minute, you know, Liverpool bought Van Dijk, they bought Allison for big money, they mm-hmm. just bought Diaz for you know for decent money. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, this idea that Diaz is again some sort of like brilliant recruitment sort of insight from Liverpool. It's not. I mean, everyone knew Diaz had, had the escape clause, and people tried to activate it. You know, Spurs in, in particular, but he chose Liverpool. So, so the perception might not be 
totally what the reality is, but that is how they see it. They see City as, you know, a lot of people see City as a, you know, as a financial sort of powerhouse who are in a position of strength and then just go out and buy someone else in a position of strength. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting column, wasn't it, I think, by Andy, our colleague, Brian Reid, about sort of kind of watch out City. If you basically become too successful, you sort of kind of... um become hated sort of kind of you know it's the jealousy mm. factor isn't it really i yeah. guess and i and i guess jeremy i don't know whether you, what you think that the sort of kind of the you know there's got to be an element of that isn't there it's sort of kind of you know people and also i guess the finances and you know and the sort of kind of the accusations of where the money comes from but it's it's the i don't know i still i still think that basically <clears throat> you know i think we're living and enjoying a glorious moment through english football history at the moment because the two push each other so well don't they Incredible. yeah look guardiola's a great manager he's one of the best we've ever seen mm. and you know he he was handpicked to go and work there due to his close relationship between mm. Him and Tixie Bagheristein and, and Soriano, who we work with at Barcelona. So, you know, they come as a team, those three. Mm. And, okay, we all know, know where the money comes from. And, you know, there'll always be that backdrop to City, uh, like there will with Newcastle now. Now they're owned by the Saudi uh, Saudi people. So you, you can't ever get away from that. And you're right, the more success they have, the more they will be hated. Because that, that look, Man United were, are always hated. And they were hated when Fergie was manager because they were the most successful team in the land. And, you know, there was a lot of envy towards them. Um, and that's the case now with City. But it is staggering that they can, before, even before they've won the title, they can sign somebody like Ireland. You mm. know, it looks like they won't be the f- first signing this summer. They've been heavily linked with Calvin Phillips. You know, it looks like they're going to sign Calvin Phillips for 50-odd million quid, one of, the, one of the best holding midfields in the country. You know, they will not stop. And um, as long as the club is owned... Um, by the people it's owned by now the spending will continue there's just that's just the way it is and other clubs have to get used to it and you know we're put on the running order you know what do others need to do to challenge the top two they need to spend too but it's just the gap is so big mm. when you look at the final league table Chelsea were the Europe is still the European champions there were 16 17 points behind you know in third place and that gap you can't just close that gap in in one transfer window you know, we're probably going to talk about Chelsea later, but it'd be interesting to see what 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 the new owners of Chelsea do now. That's all been ratified, but yeah, you know, there's there's two teams that are outstandingly good, and they are so far ahead. And while it makes for not a very competitive Premier League, if you love football and you love watching good teams, you are you you're getting really spoiled at the minute with these two. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We should. I mean, obviously, we um, you know, got the European Cup final. Mm. On, on, on Saturday well for, for, you know I mean Salah saying I'm staying next season I don't know that anyone thought he was definitely going to leave this summer that's, that's the issue I guess the contract issue makes it interesting Mark Marnay there's still some some doubt isn't there sort of kind of you know sort of long term but you know Liverpool seem pretty well stocked I think you know they've got options haven't they but you know do you, I, I mean do you fancy Liverpool to, to kind of make it two under, under clock Andy <laughs> On Saturday, Paris. Yes, I do. I do. I, 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 I fancy. You know, and listen, I don't fancy maybe having seen them in a couple of games towards the end of the season, having been there against Wolves. Um, and even though I said earlier, you always thought Liverpool were going to win that game. You know, Wolves did have opportunities to to win it themselves. Really, I mean, when it was one-one, they had a couple of sort of two-on-ones, three-on-twos, which they should have taken advantage of, but didn't, and, and actually should have gone two 0 up. But then Donker missed. Quite a, 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 um, a clearest chance. And I haven't seen him in that Wolves game, and I haven't seen him in the game against uh, Spurs towards the end of the season. Um, and obviously, I watched them away at Aston Villa on the TV. I'm not as bullish as I was about Liverpool's chances, you know, three or four weeks ago. Uh, well, but just after the semi-finals have been played, I'm not. As, I'm not as confident because I do think that they look as they look a little bit leggy um, and a little bit sort of, you know, running on sort of maybe empty psychologically. And I said, John, before you, before you got back to us, that I do worry that losing the title in the, in the, in the fashion they did, you know, putting so much in over the entire season and then coming up agonizingly short, even though getting 92 points, I think that'll have a psychological effect, but I do expect them to win though. I mean, I do think that, you know, uh, I think Van Dijk will be fresh. I think Salah, you know, okay. Came on on Sunday, but you know, he, he'll be fresh. 
And I think they will have too much, yes, is the simple answer. I mean, I think Real Madrid will pose a threat on the counter, but I expect Liverpool to win the game, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeremy, where, I mean, if Liverpool don't win it, what, what what will the season be for Liverpool? I mean, you know, they've gone so close in other, they've won both domestic trophies, but I, I mean, think it, yeah. it does depend on Saturday, doesn't it, their season? Yeah, it does, because, you know, look, if they lose and, you know, they'll have won two domestic cups, would that have been acceptable at the start of the season? Klopp's mind, probably not. You know, that's a, that makes it. And I know it sounds crazy, but that you know, there are a lot of clubs that don't go years and years and years, not mention anyone in particular, but they don't win trophies. And um, you know, two cups in one trip season is by normal standards pr- pretty decent. You know, but but for that team to 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 end up with without a title or the Champions League crown would be would be make it an average season i think i know that might sound harsh but it will it will be a very disappointing end to what what could have been a quadruple you know but mm. you know I, I just think it's going to be such a it is a proper it feels like a proper showpiece game doesn't it this one on saturday two massive clubs great tradition in history you know some wonderful players on show on both sides Will Thiago play? Because he's been great for Liverpool in the last couple of months, hasn't he? He's mm-hmm. so crucial to them. And they've got Benzema, who's produced miracles, really, in the knockout stages mm-hmm. of the season. So you just can't write Real Madrid off. They never know when they're beaten, as we've, as we've experienced several times. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? I mean, I do look at the Real Madrid lineup and the squad. And they're not, it's not a classic by any means, is it? It's not yeah. a classic the Real Madrid squad by their incredible standards. No, but, you know, they've, bear in mind, even though you might consider them slightly fortunate, they've beaten Chelsea and they've beaten Manchester City, you know, everyone seems to think of the best club team in world football. Um, and they've won the Liga, you know, so they haven't been that bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's as simple as that, you know, they, we, we do tend to be a little bit parochial here. Uh, we do tend to be a little bit blinkered to the qualities in, in, other, in other leagues. And they've got a fantastic manager. Um, and this, I mean, what, what defensively to me they look vulnerable, and that's been shown vulnerable because City scored five past them, and Chelsea scored mm. what, how many four over the two legs? Was it? Um, so they're obviously vulnerable defensively, but they've got a great goalkeeper, and you know they've got I mean absolute world class midfield. You know, I mean Casemiro, Modric, Cruz, and then of course you know with the threats from Vinicius Junior and Benzema plus you know. Um, Young players to come off the bench who made the difference um, against Manchester City. Yes, so they're not. Yeah, I mean, I expect Liverpool to win, but but you know they're in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. You know, so um, they're they're a very good team. Mm. I think um, there's two. Well, the two things that stand out for me are Van Dijk and handling Benzema because they are two players, arguably the best defender in the world, arguably right now the best striker in the world. Be fascinating to see how that pans out. And how um, Trent Alexander-Arnold handles the threat of Vinicius Junior because he is a real handful, that guy. If I was Ancelotti, I'd just say to Vinicius Junior, just run at Trent, just run at Alexander-Arnold. Because we know he's a great player, Alexander-Arnold, but his defending is not the strength of his game, is it? So that could be a weakness to be exploited by Real. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, a weakness I, 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 because... I'm sorry, because John... No, I was just going to say that basic Real Madrid is just, you know, I don't know, sometimes I look at it and, you know, I, 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 without, I think you were probably right, we do sort of underestimate them a bit by being parochial, a bit little Englander. But I just think by their own standards. But I just think that, that Vinicius Jr. has been absolutely on fire in this campaign, isn't he? Absolutely on fire. Yeah. If there was any doubt about his, his sort of kind of status in... In, in the game, then I think that's been dispelled. Benzema has been absolutely phenomenal. Casemiro is a fabulous, fabulous player. Yeah. You know, they've got obviously a world class goalkeeper. Um, you know, Carvajal has been has been such a threat all, all, all season. So we kind of, I don't know, but I, it just it just feels as if if they were both completely on song, I would fancy if both teams yeah. were at the top of their game, I would fancy Liverpool, but. Yeah. I just think the Real Madrid do have this great opportunity simply because Liverpool are running on empty a bit, you know. And I think that's the biggest, yeah. biggest threat. The biggest threat to Liverpool is almost themselves without wanting to be too 
Yeah. Well, Madrid have had a break, haven't they? They've had a, mm, they've had a, yeah. a longer break than Liverpool to prepare. So yeah. Um, well, they won the title about March, didn't they? So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's. I mean, it has been. Should a be a great occasion, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree, really. But, um, but there you go. So, you know, we're all heading over, over for that one. The other, the other um, big talking point this week has been Ten Hag, isn't it? Officially unveiled, uh, Old Trafford. Um, is you know he I think it was the day after he went to see Man United at Crystal Palace, which must have been a uh, uh, yeah a, 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 a light bulb moment. Blimey, what have I got myself into here? Lucky he's already signed a contract, I suspect. Um, but it's just I, I mean, where do you start? And how how long? How big a job is this? And how long will it take to execute? Well, he's got a three-year. He's got a three-year contract. He's got an option of an extra year if, if he gets that far. But I mean, I can't see him. I can't see him being at the point he wants to be at in three years' time. I really can't. I just, <laughs> I just think there's so much to do. His intray is absolutely even. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like you referenced it, he watched them play on um, last Sunday. They lost to Palace one 0 I mean. If that didn't jolt his system, then nothing will because, you know, United, look, United have won one, sorry, two of the last 10 games this season in, in one in, well, two in the Premier League, 10 in all competitions. They've just basically limped into sixth place and got into the Europa League. But, you know, he came in on Monday, he was impressive, you know, he had a lovely, nice cream white linen suit on, man from Del Monte, uh, shook everyone's hand, spoke. Spoke well, you know, very positive. I suppose you've got to be, haven't you? Because he's, you know, he's come in and he wants to shake things up. But he was, I don't think he's, he's dawned on him. It won't dawn on him yet, but it'll take a few months. But I don't think he appreciates the size of the job he's got. It'll define his whole career, this job. And I wish him well, you know, of course we do. But that club is broken. There are so many things that need fixing. And it's you know, going to take several, several years to, to get them anywhere near the levels of City and Liverpool. That's just a fact. Yeah. Andy, who, if you're rebuilt, if you're Eric Ten Hag and you inherit that squad, if you are aiming to be title contenders within three years, who out of the squad he inherits will still be standing and playing for title contending Man United? In three years' time, in, in three years' time, well, yeah. so who I mean, is good he, enough to make that trans, you know, transition in that, in that current squad? I would suggest probably I would still I've still got faith in Harry Maguire. I've got faith in Luke Shaw, um, Bruno Fernandez, Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, Antti Langer, um, David Tahir. Sorry, Devin Hay, yes, that sort of goes without saying, although obviously he's been there a long time now, that goes without saying. So there's, there's enough of them there. I mean, you know, you know what, what, I mean, if, if I, you held me on to your boys, I was thinking of doing the column on, on this, but you know, the, 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 the first question, and one that people seem to be wading in on, I, I mean, ironically, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot more questions than this, and a lot more Pressing issues, maybe, but the first question is Ronaldo. What, what, what are we doing with Ronaldo next next season? You know, there seems to be at the end of the season now a sort of growing idea that actually he's part of the problem. And Ten Hag, I think Jamie Carragher said yesterday that Ten Hag should make a, a statement and get rid of Ronaldo. You know, um, start of a new era. But how can you get rid of a guy who's brought that much to the table in one season? <laughs> You know, so I I think personally he needs to keep hold of him for this season, and and it'll be a test of Ten Hag's management how he manages Ronaldo this season and how he gets the best out of him, i.e., how he gets the best out of him for the team. Maybe only play him in certain games. But listen, I agree with Jeremy. It's just such a huge rebuilding job. However, his first job has to be not not only you know hopefully he'd recruit some people, but he's got to get more out of the players there. I mean, Jaden Sancho, for example, is a prime example. He should be. A hugely influential player. He should be, you know, uh, he should be front and centre of Manchester United's renewed challenge if there is one. But there's no sign of that, is there? There's, there is absolutely no sign of that. And if you think across that front line, 
So he, he needs to get Sancho back to his best. He needs to get Rashford back to his best. You know, he needs to, to blend in the, the youth and, and excitement of Alanga. He needs to get Fernandez back to the influ- influential player that, that he can be. His issue, I think, is in the centre of midfield. His issue is that Fred and McTominay, to me, aren't good enough. You know, and if you look at the great teams, centre midfield, that that sort of holding role or whatever, obviously Pogba's going to go. That is where, you know, great teams always have strength. Manchester mm-hmm. City have always had strength there. Liverpool have got strength there with Fabinho, Jordan Henderson, obviously City with Rodri and Finandino. They'll probably, they might even get Calvin Phillips now to replace Finandino. Look at Chelsea with Kovacevic and Jorginho and, you know, even Real Madrid with Casemiro. And you, you, these are, and with respect, United aren't good enough in there. So that's the area he needs to, to concentrate on. He needs, I think, extra um, backup. He needs a right back, really, because, you know, Juan Bissaka is struggling badly. But basically, his, his job, as, as, as Jezza says, you know, there's so many things in trade, but the sort of overarching one is getting the best out of players who are underperforming by a big percentage chunk. You know, I think we're seeing 50% of Jaden Sancho's capability of that, 30% of Marcus Rashford's capability of that, 30% of Juan Bissaka. They, you know, it's, they're, they're underperforming to that extent. Get them fit as well is another thing, John. Get them fit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you, you know, I think we've, we've, we've had the story that we've seen before, and we'll see again about him calling players back early from their summer holidays to get them fit. He's got to do that. He's mm. got to do that because they are so behind City and Liverpool physically that that's where it's got to start. Yeah, yeah. They do look at Jeremy, don't they? Uh, sort oh. of fitness fitness wise. And uh they do a lot of players have been mentally shattered as well. You know, Maguire's yeah. I still think there's a good player good player in there, Maguire. When you see yeah. play for England, he never lets England down. He's consistently strong. He was he was vital to both their runs to the semi-final of the World Cup and last summer, you know, barely made a mistake. And then you put stick him in a United shirt and it looks like Looks like a different player altogether. I just don't yeah. get it really. But um, who do you think, think they go for? Who do you think they go for? You know, this, this I summer. I mean, you, you know, I think they'd like to sign Declan Rice. I really do. Yeah. And if they can't get Declan Rice, I think they'd like to sign Calvin Phillips. But I, I don't yeah. think Phillips would go to Man United. There's the, he's a Leeds guy. He's, you know, mm. if you had a choice between going to Man City, Man United, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It'd take you three yeah. seconds to make that decision. So. I don't know. The need to the need he needs to get a spine of the team. So hopefully De Gea we know is a great keeper. There's no problem there. However he, long he remains there, I mean he's been there more than ten years now. So, but you know, it sounds like he wants to stay. Maguire needs someone next to him mm. better than what he's had. Yeah. Varane's been a bit of a disaster, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been. A, he looks like a player who's just coasting towards the end of his career now and getting yeah. getting a big paycheck, basically. And he needs, like Andy said, you need a couple of midfielders who who can can take the game by the scruff of neck and win a game, dictate the play, yeah. like Roy Keane used to do at United or Paul Ince or Gerard used to do for Liverpool. You know that that sort of player, someone you can really control that midfield. That's where a game you won and lost, isn't it? Let's be honest, in midfield, if you win that battle, you probably win a game. So. And then Rashford, you know, we all know what a wonderful player he is. He's just had one of those seasons to forget. And I don't know where his head is at the minute. It's probably not in a good place. But he might, a new manager coming in, might just get him back to yeah. what he wants to be. And if, you, you know, you've got, a, you've got a great forward there, a great forward. Mm. A num- he can play number nine. You've got Sancho on one wing, Alanga on the other. You know, there are, there is a foundation for him to work from. But, you know, <laughs> he... he Ultimately, he did say, didn't he? he? Came out of the classic line that he thinks he can beat the monopoly of Guardiola and Klopp. Well, you know, he might. He, he's probably going to live to regret saying that. I think, especially yeah. in the next couple of years. He, to be fair to him, he was asked if he could, and if he said he couldn't, then that would have been a great start, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess he was in a, a no-win situation. Can you break the monopoly of Liverpool Man City? No, not really. No chance. Welcome to Manchester. <laughs> Are you saying that? Just, Welcome to the Manchester. Journalist question, Andy. <laughs> no, I'm not saying trapped. I'm just saying it isn't. It's a legitimate question. Yeah. Welcome to the Manchester pack, that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So, awesome. No, it's, it's a legitimate pass. question, but obviously, you know, he, 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 of course, he, he's got to believe he can for a start off, but he's got to believe he can with the caveat that it's going to be one um, 
one hell of a difficult job. Um, I think I genuinely think that he would do well. I think it wouldn't be such a disaster if they went out of the Europa League next season really early. Yeah, I just don't think that's his priority next season. I think he needs to yeah. focus on doing well in the league, finishing top four. I think his priority has to be getting back yeah. in the Champions League. Yeah, that's I the agree. That's an attractive, yeah. but you can get in the Champions League by winning the Europa League. I know, but it's I, blooming, I blooming hate. I blooming hate this. You know, English disrespect towards the. I know, Crossy. The problem is competitions. I don't have an issue with with that. What I have an issue with is it's such a slog to win that Europa League. It's so demanding. There's so many games. There are too many teams in that competition. Yeah, it lasts too long. Yeah, what what I would say, just 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 briefly on that one, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. But wouldn't it be good? Doesn't he want as many games as he can to get to know this the whole squad? And and it might not go down well. But using that Europa League to to play, mm. you know, young players and get yeah. to know um, the squad might be might be might be beneficial. I don't know whether whether you should, as a new manager, sort of think I don't want to be playing in, in certain games. You know, he's got plenty of games, and you know, listen, they won the FA Youth Cup. You know, so mm. surely there's 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 players there that, that that can go into that Europa League. You know, I mean, I, like for example, I wouldn't be playing Ronaldo in the in the Europa League. Or in the league cup, but it'll be. Would you be playing Ronaldo in the Premier League? (laughs) Yes, of course you should. I think so. I mean, I Mm. and you know what? I was of the opinion that 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 um, that has been expressed this week. um, That initially, I was of the opinion it was a poor signing that it would have a Mm. adverse effect on the rest of the team, and that's been said this week by Jamie Carragher. I did a podcast with him, John Barnes, who said it quite strongly. So. That seems to be a popular opinion now. But strange enough, my opinion was that when he signed, but it's been changed throughout the season. With every match-winning contribution he's made, he's sort of chipped away at my belief that actually it wasn't a good signing. And I think now, if, if he can somehow get the best out of him, he can be a good influence off the pitch and you can use him on the pitch. It's just a question of whether Ronaldo is prepared to be um how should we say it rotated you know because I think there'll be certain games where you, you you might not want to play them in even even the actual games against teams who are you know um hard pressing teams like Liverpool and Man City maybe maybe not him but but this is overall Jeremy's right in, in the, the job is enormous and mm. we talk about you know I mean if you think of what you know Chelsea now the takeover seems to have been sorted Spurs now Conte seems to be happy and Kane seems to be happy. Son is brilliant. Liverpool and Man City, you know, listen, the, 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 the getting into the top four for Man United next year will be and, and next season will be a massive challenge for Ten Hag. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Top four, will be, a, top four will be a success for him. It, it yeah, like, of course, it has to be. It seems like be. almost blasphemous, heinous thing to say about a club such as Manchester United. Um, but top four would be success for Ten Hag. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. We've mentioned Chelsea. We must move on to Chelsea and mm. sort of kind of the, the 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 takeover now. I mean, I don't know. You have to sometimes remind yourself that basically, as by comparison, because it's a you know it's such a huge four or billion plus deal that basically it's actually been executed incredibly quickly by comparison. Yeah. Really. Um, although I have to say some of the feels like the tiny, you know, the daily updates of minuscule detail has, be, has made it seem quite a long, drawn-out affair when, frankly, the, the guy who was the original favourite to take over has, has, yeah, taken it over. So, you know, there's been a bit of a soap opera around it. But Todd Bowley was, was favourite from day one and, has, you know, has got across the line this week. It must be a huge relief, Jeremy, isn't it, to, to Chelsea and particularly Thomas Tuchel to kind of... You know, I think they've been yeah. very confident for the last few weeks that it would happen, but they're basically that it has actually happened. Yeah, because they can now look. The season's just finished, so they've got a summer where they can they can plan properly. You know, they can mm. look forward to some light at the end of the tunnel, a future without any any red tape standing in the way. You know, it's been a long and arduous process, um, and it's finally been done. Hopefully, so Tuchel can you know, genuinely look forward to trying to sign the targets he wants to sign. Um, he may even be able to keep some of the players who who previously wanted to leave. Um, because, you know, they've, all right, they've lost two finals this year. 
on penalty shootouts to Liverpool. So, you know, fine margins and if things had been differently, could have gone differently for him. He would have won two cups this season. So it would have been a good season. But ultimately, they've been way off the pace in the champ- in the title race. And um, they didn't get past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So um, it has been a disappointing season. But I think Tuchel's handled it so well because mm. it was unprecedented, really, what happened with Chelsea and Abramovich. And I thought, I thought, he, I thought, I think he's emerged from it all with a real sort of sense of class and decency, and because he was just getting battered by questions about it, and he probably didn't even know the what the answers were, and it must have been so so disheartening for him. But um, you know, it, things look a lot brighter, and you know that's good for the Premier League because you want Chelsea around, you want them to be thriving, you want them to be challenging. You know, will they challenge Liverpool and City next season? It's doubtful, but they're the closest team you would think that could make a run, a run at it. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see what pans out with the futures of certain players. Obviously, Rudiger's gone now to Real Madrid. Christensen's going to Barcelona, I think, by the looks yeah. of it. Yeah. There's doubts over Aspilicueta's future. And Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. Defensively, they really... Charlie was still about his 51 next birthday. <laughs> But it's defensively, that's where his issues are this summer, really, aren't they? Well, that, that, that's it. That's why when I look at that England squad and I see Tamori's name there, you know, yeah. it's it's you think to yourself about Chelsea's uh, policy. But yeah. hey, listen, you know, I, I think this will be a relief. Um, and I, I, I just echo everything Jeremy said. It's unprecedented what Tuchel's had to go through. I think he's handled it well. And they'll be, you know, they'll be challenging next season, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. What do you think happens to the Well, it's it's a great it's a great question. I think that you know ninety seven point five million. Um, I it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't hasn't yeah. looked. I mean, he's gone back to being Man United, Lukaku. Yeah. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. It's so easy to be wise after the event. So he goes to Inter Milan, rips it up at Inter Milan, and we said, oh, what a mistake that Man United make. Well, did they? Did they actually? Yeah. Because if you look at back on this on this season and and you, and you think, well, they they made a profit on him actually, and then basically, yeah. you know, they made a profit on him, and yeah, he's he played in his final season at Man United like he has done this season for Chelsea. Yeah, and the warning should have been the alarm bell should have been there, and they basically didn't heed them. I think Chelsea play miles better when they've got Werner and Havertz. Um, you know, is, is sort of partly making up a front three or a false nine. Um, and I just think Havertz, you know, plays that false nine role brilliantly. He's under underappreciated in, in, in how good he is, I think, in that. And Werner, I think, has, has flicked a switch in, in last few months. So I do think that, you know, it's, it's there's, there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that Lukaku fits into that. The biggest problem is, I think, if they put him on the market now, who would pay seventy million for Lukaku now? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you'd get a taker. That's the problem. And then all of a sudden, you've lost close to thirty million quid. That impacts on your FFP, and then basically, you know, writing off that sort of loss. And it's, whew, it's a really difficult one. Yeah. And I think that he it just doesn't suit the way that I don't think that Tuchel wants to play. And so. You know, he's got to be a bit more joined up thinking, I think, because back to Tuchel, he's such a good manager, isn't he? Clearly. I mean, I, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure about him when he came to Chelsea because he's got this combative, combustible sort of reputation. Oh, he's charmed the pants off me, basically. He's just fantastic, you know. Absolutely brilliant guy. Um, I'll tell, tell you what, Cross, you, you, you like a few managers, don't you? You're a massive Klopp fan. I noticed the other night saying, how, 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 you know, how great he was there. You're a big Guardiola fan, big Tuchel fan. Yeah, you know what? I was at the LMA. I think European Cup week, right? European, I think Guardiola's an absolute genius, deserves to be alongside Fergie and uh, Bob Paisley. I really do. Absolutely astonishing. Um, you know, he has reinvented the wheel. Um, and, I, and Jurgen Klopp, European Cup week, you know me, guys. I'm a big union man, and I kind of believe in sort of kind of togetherness and sort of standing up for the, the organisation that you're in for. And I think that basically, you know, for Klopp to come down yeah. to the LMAs in that week, what you know, that says so much about him, says so much about Liverpool. Yes, they've done it in the past, but we still shouldn't, you know, ignore the respect and, you know, the gravitas that that gives the the organization that Klopp belongs to and I think that's fan, I think that's fantastic and Tuchel blimey this is the guy that drives a 
electric smart car to the office each day. And it's just, you know, he's, he's, I don't know. Yeah, it deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he's just been amazing. Absolutely fabulous, you know. So I think he's um, too sure as, yeah, he's, 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 he's completely changed my opinion of him. I think he's, yeah. he's, he's amongst the elite, absolutely. So, I agree. I mean, I mean but, Klopp getting chauffeur driven down to the Grosvenor House Hotel, you know, for... I mean, it's, it's, it's above and beyond the call, I would say, wouldn't you? Well, I think you'll find he flew, actually, didn't he? I think <laughs> How he flew, complete sorry. the journey, but probably, I'm sure. Was he amazing, Jack? Hang on a minute. There's not that many managers that would do that. I think that's quality. <laughs> I think that's class. And speaking let's of have... class, class and top managers, let's let's kind of, yes. you know, wind down with Antonio Conte, shall we? Um, I did, you know... 150 million quid in once they've kind of exercised a couple of options and deals doesn't actually leave them with that much money. But I do think it's absolutely an underline of ambition, isn't it? That basically saying to, to, to Conte, you're the man, basically Jeremy, you know, let, let's keep you and build something special with Spurs. I think it was a statement of intent that. Yeah. And um, look, <laughs> Conte succeeds wherever he goes. That's just a fact. Mm. And, you know, Tottenham's gain is United's loss because they could have had him. They, they, they rejected the chance to get Conte and he's gone to Tottenham yeah. and got him in the Champions League. And who's to say they won't thrive in that competition next season? You know, if you can get two or three good signings in, you'd expect them to challenge for the knockout stages at least. And, you know, keeping Harry Kane, you know, I'm sure we're not, we're not hearing any murmurings from Kane wanting to leave like we were this time last year. It was that saga with the city, wasn't there? That didn't didn't get his move that he wanted, and now signed Harlem, so that's been put to bed. Mm. You know, if Son and Kane are a lethal combination, and they can win you a game in the blink of an eye. So, yeah. you know, look, there's still weaknesses to Tottenham, um, but they have made some good signings over the last six months. You know, um, and they will be a force next season, and Conte will want to take them to that next level. Yeah. I think you'll there's love it, doubt about There's always that doubt about how much money Daniel Levy's willing to spend, though, and that's that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got this 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 injection of uh, what was it, 150 million yeah. injections? Yeah. So, so you know that'll that'll go some way. I think it's brilliant. I, I I love the idea that he's now happy there and he, and he's revved up for next season. The Kane will be there. Sonu, in the end, you know, will look back and will think, you know, he was very hard done by not to win any individual awards. Um, this season, incredible season, incredible goals. You know, mm. it's. It, I mean, I'm not saying that Salah didn't deserve a share of the golden boot, but you know, I mean, no penalties for Son. You, you actually look through Son's goals. Sensational. I mean, sensational. And I think you know, it, it struck me that when when um, Conte went to Anfield, and in the end, you could obviously you could point to all sorts of games, but you could actually point to Liverpool one, Spurs one, and say, you know, that was significant. In um, in in Manchester's in Liverpool coming up slightly short, and Klopp was. I mean, Conte got under Klopp's skin so much in that game to the extent where obviously he came out with like you know, um, you know, you can play like that. It's not for me, and you're still fifth. Well, of course they finished fourth as it happened, but and that would have really put a smile on Conte's face because what do you look forward to next season? By the way, Spurs' record against the um, elite teams, Manchester City and Liverpool. Hmm. This season has been has been very very good. So, and he'll relish going. He will relish going head to head with the great managers that we've already discussed: um, Guardiola, Klopp, and Tuchel, and Ten Hag, obviously, and Manchester United. So, I, I think it's brilliant for the league. I mean, hmm. and they look Spurs on form. Look a good team. Yeah, they do. They do. It's inter- interesting really? one that because you contrast that. I think the way that sort of, kind of I think the the other members of the top four are wary when they play Spurs. Mm. Um, with Conte in charge because he's 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 a top top manager, great tactician, great coach. <laughs> Let's be honest, you know, a few of the other contenders, well, they're rubbing their hands with glee, you know, when they when they play. Oh, we'll take three points off Man United. We'll take three points off Arsenal. Yeah. It's, you know, you contrast that. It's just Spurs have got to find that consistency, haven't they? Yes, yes, yeah. You know, if they can do that, and I think consistency comes with a deeper, more quality squad. So I think if they can match that, match that ambition. Yeah. I mean, I, think I assume Kane good. will sign it. I assume you know Son signed a new long-term deal. Yeah, well, Kane's got a decision to make, hasn't he? So basically, yeah. I, I've no, I've no I'm doubt sure that he stays. But I guess he's got two years, and you know, does he, 
a year on from the you know the summer saga does he sign yeah. he probably it's does surely probably. yeah I yeah. think that's inevitable I really do I, I, I mean if only because you know he's clearly not going to Manchester City where else is he going to go to hmm. Nowhere else, really. So I think it'd be a great statement of intent if he's sort of like, that's it, okay, I'm committed to Spurs for the rest of my career, essentially. Conte's committed for whatever, and, you know, let's let's go from there, you know. I mean, yeah. this, this is a club with a fantastic state. You know, they, they've now got a world-class stadium, a world-class manager, and a world-class centre-forward, world-class backup, sort of number 10, or whatever you want to call him, in terms of where he plays in San. You know, they've got plenty going for them, Spurs, plenty going for them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Let's just finish a quick nod on one of the better stories of the uh, uh, more well, more interesting stories of the week was uh, Vincent Company in Burnley. You know, Burnley, the unlucky ones. I mean, Jeremy, do you think that's a good, good, good appointment, good fit? I think they were interested in Rooney before, weren't they? So you know, it's quite interesting <laughs> well, well, the profile of the manager that they've gone for. If if they could get Company, that would be a major coup. But um, mm. intelligent guy, he's clearly got mm. a bright future in coaching. But you just fear for Burnley, don't you? You fear why would mm. why would Vincent Company want to go to Burnley? You know, they've just got relegated, they've got this loan to pay back that's sixty odd million quid. You know, they don't have a lot of money to spend. They've been punching above their weight for a long time. Mm. It's, been, it's been great to see. They are a great club, actually. I'm referring to how they deal with the media. They've been very they're a very media friendly club. But you know they took they rolled the dice, didn't they? They got rid of Son Dyche. It was a major, major gamble that, and it's backfired. And I just feel like this time they won't bounce back. Hmm. I'd fancy Norwich to bounce back more than I would Burnley next season. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah but Burnley. Uh, so Norwich to bounce back and then go straight back down again. Well, that's basically that's what they're doing. They get relegated. They got to try and relegate that gap, haven't they? Yeah. Well, they need to spend more money once they get back up, don't they? To give themselves a fighting chance because every time they get promoted to Premier League, they finish. They're not even close to surviving. Yeah, I think I think they spent a lot of money last summer. They just spent it badly. But yeah, but there you go. So yeah, but um, anyway, so you need to get there. Are you going to transfer transfer sort of uh, spotters in target? So there you go. Anyway, listen, guys, thanks so much. Um, it's nice to see you, and uh, I'll, we'll leave it there. But I hope to see you on the uh, on the Eurostar for, for Paris a little bit later. We'll see you there, pal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk to you.